0: So now, let's get back to discuss this whole God of mercy who hears our cry. What do you say? Um, I told you I was going to do this. I I think it's important that we do it. Um, We're in verse 12 of Romans 12. This is Paul's theology of the church. There are several characteristics, several injunctions uh, that Paul leaves behind as to things that he would suggest are true of churches that are being indwelt and led by the Spirit, and we've gone over several of those. We, we paused over this verse 12 to look at a couple of things. Uh, first of all, this whole idea of being patient in tribulation. But then two weeks ago, uh, before Easter week, we looked at this constancy in prayer, and we're going to return to that tonight and, and, and do four quick things. Um, but m- may I say that the last time, two weeks ago, the only thing that I really tried to, to go over with you last week is does prayer change things? and to try and make sure that you made the distinction that prayer does not change god but it does change things that was my only uh hopeful goal of 2 weeks ago and and uh hopefully you remember something about that but tonight we're going to we're going to uh, answer four questions number 1 why pray number 2 uh what are the marks of real prayer number 3 uh how to pray and then number 4 uh why don't we pray so let's look at those four things you know, guys, there is a statement on, uh, that Jesus makes in Matthew chapter 6. And he says, uh, don't pray like them, but, uh, but pray knowing that your Father knows before you uh, beforehand what it is that you need. Remember that text? It's Matthew 6, 8. That, that text gives so much trouble to the, uh, to the believing Christian audience. Because she wonders, why pray then? If God already knows what I need and what I'm going to ask for before I ask it and what I, what I, why pray? So let's address that tonight. Let me give you, let me give you a quick little answer and then we'll, we'll, we'll expand just a little bit. But why pray? Number one, because you're told to. Number two, because Jesus did. Is that enough? (laughs) It should be. Tell me this, ladies and gentlemen, where is it that Jesus sweated, sweated drops of blood? Was it while he was teaching? Was it uh, while he was being uh, persecuted? No, ladies and gentlemen, it was while he prayed. And when did that happen? I mean, the, the whole course of redemption had been set in motion, and, and this was his hour, his final hour. And what does he do while approaching that final hour? He prayed so grippingly that it uh, he'd sweat blood. Now, guys, that that ought to be enough for us. Whether we can figure out all of the ins and the outs and the whys and the wherefores, Jesus prayed. In fact, some would say that Jesus invented prayer. Now I don't that's just a but but guys, the fact that Jesus saw the need to pray, knowing his father like he did. Even though there might be some questions in our minds as to how all that pans out, pray because you're commanded to, and because Jesus did. That ought to be enough. In fact, you know there is no record of anyone in the Old Testament ever, ever uh, addressing God as Father, and Jesus in the New Testament addresses Him uh, some 170 times as Father. That is a privilege that you have as well. Um. Of course, the longest prayer that's recorded, I want to say in the Scriptures, but certainly in the New Testament, the longest prayer that's recorded in the New Testament is a prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17. Guys, I, I just want to make this sweet or this, this little distinction on whether it's sweet or not. But, um, um, you know, we talk about the Lord's Prayer. Um, the Lord's Prayer in, in Matthew chapter 6 is not the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but that's the prayer that he taught us to pray. The one that he prayed is in John 17. Uh, the one that the Lord prayed is John 17. John uh, Matthew 6 is the one that he taught us to pray. But apparently, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> for whatever God's reasons are, I'm not sure of all of them, but he takes delight in being asked. I want to read you, you know, um, we quote C.S. Lewis around here an awful lot, but, I mean, I, he is he is just eminently quotable. Um, I mean, there's whole volumes of... C.S. Lewis quotes, but I want to read you this. This is about prayer. C.S. Lewis writes, talking about God, he says, For he seems to do nothing of himself which he can possibly delegate to his creatures. He commands us to do slowly and blunderingly what he could do perfectly in the twinkling of an eye. He allows us to neglect what he would have us do or to fail perhaps we do not fully realize the problem so to call it of enabling finite free wills to coexist with omnipotence Boy, that. that is we don't understand the, the mysteries of coexisting with omnipotence it seems to involve at every moment almost a sort of divine abdication that is prayer does it's like, well, why was he want us to do it? Listen to that first sentence again. He said, he seems to do nothing of himself which he can possibly delegate to his creatures. That does seem true, does it not? This is another quote from, an, uh, from a different book. He says, creation seems to be delegation through and through. He will do nothing simply of himself which can be done by creatures. I suppose this is because he is a giver. <laughs> it does seem, ladies and gentlemen, that God draws back from doing that which he can delegate to you and me. I don't understand that. I don't need to. I'm simply saying, folks, that uh, a good enough reason for us, I think, for us to pray is that Jesus does, he commands us to. I want to read you one other quote, and I I, won't, I don't have any more for the night. But um, And and I don't even know where I got this. I don't even know who. I, I usually, maybe I wrote it. No, I didn't. Sometimes I write on the back, but I forgot. He says, I pray in astonished belief that God desires an ongoing relationship. I pray in trust that the act of prayer is God's designated way of closing the vast gulf between infinity and me. Prayer is the thing that that closes that vast gulf between infinity and me. I pray in order to put myself in the stream of God's healing work on earth. I pray as I breathe because I cannot help it. Prayer is hardly a perfect form of communication. For I, an imperfect material being who lives on an imperfect material planet, am reaching out for a perfect spiritual being. Some prayers go unanswered. A sense of God's presence ebbs and flows. And often I sense more mystery than resolution. Don't you do? Nevertheless, I keep at it, believing with Paul that now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. The strange thing, ladies and gentlemen, that we don't do very well is that thing that closes that gulf between infinity and me. You want to know why to pray? Well, you ought to pray because you're told to, and Jesus did. Jesus saw a need to do that or, or uh, to pray, and I I think that's as good a motivation as anything. Okay, that's uh, that's the why pray. Let me give you just oh, seven or eight, seven, six or seven marks of real prayer, things, th- things that ought to characterize our prayer lives. Number one, the top of the list, guilty. I meant to bring a book. I set it on my desk and I failed to get it. But, um, if you can find this book, it's an old book by John White. It's called Drawing Near, uh, Daring to Draw Near. What it is, um, is a a collection of the prayers in the Bible. He doesn't do all of them, but there's about 11 of them that I think he does. And he, he analyzes those prayers that are included in the scriptures. Daring to Draw Near by John White. He's a Christian psychiatrist. It's a it's a good little treatment, but one of the one of the chapters in there is on Daniel nine. Guys, if you want to know how to pray, go just to, for tomorrow morning. Set aside Daniel nine. Daniel is you know is in in Babylon and and kind of exile, and he's um, he's reading the Bible one morning, and he comes upon a passage that says he comes upon a passage in Jeremiah. He says that in the Daniel nine. He says I was reading Jeremiah, and I saw in there that the uh, that the um, the exile was supposed to last 70 years and he started saying my goodness we're getting close and in response to a recognition that he they're close to the return to to Jerusalem he he, he begins to call out now you remember who daniel is guys i mean he's the one that went into the lions den and said go ahead you know take me on. you know do your best remember that You know, he's the one that said, you know, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. You know, you can do what you want to me. Ah, you know. Daniel. And ladies and gentlemen, if you'll read that prayer. I I counted it up this afternoon. And I'm I'm sure I missed some. Um, But in that one prayer, he mentions his and Israel's sin 13 times. 13 times. Guys. We are just as sick as our secrets. So, take your guilt and include it in your prayer. Because guess what? We're guilty. Okay? Secondly, helpless. Prayer is is, is pretty much a declaration of, of dependence. It's a declaration of our dependence upon God. It's... Um, I can't fix this, and that there's a there's a there's a humility, and that was really my third thing is that prayer does humble, ladies and gentlemen. It is maybe not much, and maybe not for long, but it does humble when you recognize that the things that you're praying about are completely beyond your your ability to to solve. Um, Fourthly, we're honest. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said this too. I'm pretty sure. He says, we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. You know, I'm 62 years old. And I really thought, I really thought that by now, there would be certain sins that wouldn't trouble me anymore. Well, I, you know, I just haven't found them yet we pray what really is there, not what ought to be there. Um, and there's, there's one place that I can really be that honest is in saying, you know, I'm sick that my partner got that honor and I didn't. Uh, fifth, um, in a lot of ways, this is the same thing as honest, but I loved the word exposed. That is, um, um, I hide nothing. Nothing. I I don't know why we try, but we do. We certainly try to hide from each other. But uh, there, one of the things that ought to characterize the way we pray is that we know, indeed, we are exposed. Uh, One of the sentences that this guy used in that second quote, he says, I pray like I breathe because I have to. That is, we um, we simply cannot help it, and and that's the thing that should characterize the way we pray. And then, of course, the book of James chapter five talks that talks about prayer needs to be fervent. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, guys, um, uh, I, I don't mean this, but you know, we can we might as well just forget the sleepy, lazy brand. Um, um, <laughs> the ones that we don't finish the sentence because we've all already fallen asleep, the fervent, effectual. Th- those are just some things that I think that ought to guide us in, in, in measuring and in, um, evaluating our own prayer life. Just six or seven words. Now let's talk about how-tos, guys. Um, you know, there's one thing that I want to say that it always amazes me that people love to hear this or love to get this and it's but we'll get that in a minute gang there are two interesting stories in the gospel of Luke about prayer one's in Luke 11 the other's in Luke 18 they both have to do with persistence you know the widow that goes and says give me justice to the judge and the other guy that goes and he needs some food for the guy that uh, that's coming to visit him all that business guys um so you've got an unsaved uh, um a relative, do you? And you've been praying, and you've been praying fervently for the last seven weeks. Well, come back and see me about year seventeen. And let's talk about this again. Persistence is not demonstrated in seven weeks, ladies and gentlemen. It's not pers persistence is persistence. Persistence is there's not a limit. I keep praying and I keep praying and I keep praying, and and that's what both of those uh, those uh, parables are about: persistence in prayer. So guys, um, don't talk to me about how God is not, you know, answering your prayers about your unsaved son when you've been praying for these past seven weeks for it. That ain't persistent. That doesn't qualify as persistence. Um, This might help you a little bit, guys. Um, Normally, normally, um, prayer is directed to God the Father, in the name of God the Son, in the power of God the Spirit. Normally. But can you pray to the other persons of the Trinity? Of course you can. Um, but normally prayer is directed to the father in the name of the son in the power of the spirit that's normally how prayer operates but um, uh, i you know just about every morning i beg God the holy spirit to um, open my eyes that i might see wondrous things from his law so i mean uh, but just normally speaking um, uh, prayers to God the father now this is the thing that I, you know, I, I I apologize to you who have seen this too many times to, to count. But for those of you who haven't, they always say, well, man, that was really wonderful. So I'll, I'll put it up here again. Just just in terms of organizing your whole prayer life, guys. When you, when you are sitting in the chair or kneeling at your bed or kneeling at the couch or wherever it is that you pray, here's something that might help you in terms of organizing your prayer life. It is an... This is a... Um, a cheat machine. Uh, acts. It's just A-C-T-S. Uh, it begins with adoration. Um, that's a C. Uh, we go then to confession. We then mention Thanksgiving. And then we supplicate. Or supp- You know what a supplication is. That's when you ask for stuff. That's the, that's the grocery. That's the shopping list is the supplication. Now, I love to, I love to talk, I love to tell you this because it, it always is so illustrative, it seems to me. Um, alright, uh, here we go, guys. Uh, wake up. Uh, uh, of these four areas, which one is the one that we do most of? Supplicate. We know how to supplicate. Man, are we good supplicators? We know how to tell God what it is that we want. And what we would have for him to do. Now, so that was pretty easy. Uh, of the other three, which is the one that you think would be that we would spend the least amount of time out of the, the least amount of time out of the other three? You're wrong. <laughs> you said confession, and that is not true. It's this one. I'll tell you what. I'll dare you. I'll dare you. Tomorrow morning, I want you to spend 90 seconds. That's all. 90 seconds. In adoration. 90 seconds. Nothing but adoration. Where do you start? Doom. Um, guys, this is where the church is incredibly silent. And I'll tell you that the best thing in the world to, to, to foster that is the book of Psalms. Just read the Psalms. And i tell you what, borrow some of his language. Borrow some of his statements and, and just import them into your own prayer life. Basically, guys, the the things that are going to spawn adorations is a knowledge of his attributes. So if you don't know much about his attributes, then you're going to find adoration pretty difficult. Um, I, I think I've told, I know I've told this story before, but... When we were in Ocala, we used to have this prayer week uh, once maybe we had it twice a year. we had it once a year, but uh, we would start on Monday we started at seven o 'clock or six o'clock in the morning I guess it was six o 'clock in the morning and and on monday we did um, we did this one and on Tuesday we did this one, and on Wednesday we did this one and on Thursday and Friday, because we had you know so much we wanted uh, we did uh, we, we did that one. <clears throat> And, uh, you know, we would come to Tuesday, and I mean, you know, the hour would just fly by because people are, are willing to confess their sins, at least generally speaking. No one is... You know, ladies and gentlemen, for instance, I have been in the ministry 35 years. 35 years. I've been a Christian 40 years. been in the ministry, and I have had people come to my office, and they have confessed. Adultery, alcoholism, gambling, drug addiction, porn, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. I mean, I've I've heard everything, but not one time, not one time in 35 years of ministry, no one, not one person has ever sat in my office and said, I need to talk to you about my sin of greed. Not one time. We'll confess things, oh lord, I'm terribly selfish. Of course you are! Just like the rest of us. But that doesn't, that doesn't cost much, does it? To tell a group of people that you're selfish. But to talk about envy, I'm so envious of my sister I could scream. Why is it that she ended up with all the money and I got none? Oh, we don't, we're don't. we not going to talk about like that, talk like that. But you'd, you'd be surprised at how much selfishness you could talk about in 60 minutes, uh, you know, on Tuesday morning. I mean, there's a lot of that stuff. But guys, very honestly, we're not talking about public prayer here. We're talking about private prayer. So, you know, there, there's got to be a significant portion of this in there. And in Thanksgiving, I mean, my goodness, um, we do that pretty well. And then supplication, we do really well. But um, this will, I mean, very honestly, when you start your praying thing, you know, whatever, however long it lasts, take that with you. I mean, it might it might help organize your thoughts. You know, guys, anything in the world can distract you. Um, you know, that statement in um, <laughs> I shouldn't tell you this. Um Do you know that statement in, in Ephesians chapter 6 that talks about Satan's fiery missiles? You know that thing? In my opinion, where they occur the most frequently is what I'm trying to pray. Um, have you ever been in your highest, holiest... You know, <clears throat> hold on, let me back up. This is an old Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, I used um, Martin Lloyd-Jones said this in his comment here in Sermon on the Mount. If I were to ask you to describe for me a sinner... If I were to ask you to just describe a sinner to me, here's what we would do. Well, it's that unfaithful husband who's been drinking heavily and finally got caught in his gambling and and and, and we ended up drunk in some gutter. That's a sinner. You want to know where you want to see, you want to know where you see your sin when you try to pray for four minutes and you can't. And you're trying to spend 90 seconds adoring the thrice holy God and can't come up with 90 seconds worth. And while you're in there thanking Him for all of the kindnesses that He has demonstrated toward you, The next thing you know, your mind is over lusting after some chick at the office. And you wonder, how did I get over there? You want to see how sin has ravaged us, ladies and gentlemen? Don't look at the drunk in the gutter. Just look at the saint while he's trying to pray. Then you'll understand how the fall has ravaged us. Because we can't pray. Um I love this this is a quote from um Anne Lamott uh somebody some of you read Anne Lamott she's um somebody called her something really funny um she's she is the she's the most acerbic um hilarious christian author i mean but i'm telling you if you're going to read anne lamott you better you better forget all of your little um, ideas about what you thought a Christian was, because she is wild. Um, but anyway, Anne lamont makes a, and I forget which book she makes this in, because I think I've read two of her books, but uh, she makes a statement in there about prayer. And she says, um, I don't know how to pray. Here's the only thing I know how to do. In terms of my prayer life, here's all I do. I say, help me, help me, help me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If that's all we can do, ladies and gentlemen, that's, uh, that's a pretty good start. But help me, help me, help me. A, a statement of a declaration of dependence upon God. And thank you, thank you, thank you that everything that I have, I've I've received by way of his gift to me. Okay, guys, um, so why pray Jesus told me to and commands me to? Um, Mark is some real prayer. I've got, um, you know, five or six there for you that... Actually, I just—I mean, I, I was about to say something wrong here because the—the the, the thing that I'm most gripped with when I pray is my own guilt, my own—my own sin, and—and and I'm telling you, you—you um, you take a look at what the—the—the uh, the, the prayers of the men who pray in Scripture, and—and and they are too. Um. And that's why we love this gospel of ours, ladies and gentlemen, because it addresses people who are guilty, like us. Now, um, and then we've talked about the how-tos, persistence, uh, to God the Father, in Jesus' name, by God the Holy Spirit. And then this hopefully will help you just a little bit. Um, Now, let me take four minutes, four and a half minutes, five minutes, and um, let's talk about this. Why don't we pray? Um you know guys, we Christians are good and, and I'm 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 um, I'm I'm the chief of violators here, but um, we're good about talking about prayer in theory but are not real good at prayer in practice most of you could have told me this long before i put it up here and most of you could have come up with five or six of the words that i gave you you could have come up with three or four of those yourself um, a lot of us have theories we we have we have an idea about this whole thing called prayer um, but when it comes to doing it we don't do it we're good at theory, but we're not good in practice. Why is that? Why? Why, um, why do you think that is? I, I've got, I've got four suggestions, and, um, and you can take them or leave them. And maybe, maybe one of them is decent. Maybe, maybe none of them are decent. But, um. I I, I can't speak dogmatically here because I really don't know the mission field as well as maybe some of you do. But, But one of the things that I think is true is that I don't think people in India have as much trouble praying as we do. Now, I say that for this reason. I think one of the reasons we don't pray is prosperity. Um... You know, who needs to pray when there's enough money in the checking account to cover whatever problems will occur uh, if it happens next week? Um, I I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that it's, um, it's a hard thing to watch as a pastor. It is a hard thing to watch. To watch Christians neglect their soul and neglect their soul and neglect their soul over years of neglecting their soul. And then crisis arises and then all of the, the fruits of that neglect and the and the my opinion is now you can take this or leave this i'm not is that one the, the thing that is most contributory of our neglect is our prosperity it dampens our need um, i'm telling you ladies and gentlemen we have too much stuff and we have too many, too much, uh, too much need to take care of it. So you know that kind of takes up some of the time, uh, problem. Uh, but but ultimately, um, it it just seems to me that one of the reasons that we're not very good in practice is because of our. I, I say this to you, ladies and gentlemen. The bounty that we enjoy, you know, if if I had to choose between rich and poor, I'll choose rich every time. It's easier. But I'm telling you, there is a significant dimension of prosperity that is nothing more than curse. Curse. In my opinion, um, of course, that leads to the the time problem. Um, You know, guys in in Haiti, they're not planning on what to do uh, on July the 4th or Labor Day. They're not going to their homes at Pickwick. They don't have one. And they're not talking about what they're going to do on their vacation because they don't have one of those either. Um, All that stuff dampens. It it, it throws a wet blanket on any kind of spiritual um, uh, initiative, it seems to me. Um, third, um, I think, I think, you know, and I'm right in here with you guys, we live in an atmosphere of doubt. Um, we're really not convinced, are we, that, um, that this really does anything. That's why I started and I spent the whole week, I tried to tell you a, a, a story that would, you know, by the way, I told that story and I, I misled you a bit because that story we heard from that man in Budapest. I don't know if you remember that. Forget it. Um, but back to my point: um, we live in this atmosphere of doubt that discourages us from from uh, praying in the first place because we're not really sure that it does not it accomplishes much. That's why I started two weeks ago by saying prayer changes things, trying to address that that problem uh, in all of us. We're not. We don't see much answer to prayer, and therefore we doubt its uh, efficacy. And so we don't pray much. And here's the final thing, or the the fourth thing is, um, I think for a lot of us prayer is uncomfortable because it exposes the state uh, of It exposes me as more dependent as I like to feel. Uh, that I'm. Uh, it exposes me as being more dependent than I than I really like to feel. I like to feel that I'm the master of my own soul and the captain of my own fate. I, I like to feel like I'm in charge. We're all a bunch of control freaks. You know, people say, "Well, I'm a control freak," and I say, "Well, <laughs> that's nothing." Who am I? Oh, Aren't the rest of us? No, we're just all. control. We all want to be in charge. We all want to. And so, um, prayer exposes my own. My. my the, the reality of dependence, and I don't like that that sensation of dependence. I like I like the other one better. So I think it discourages us from prayer. Those are just suggestions. I have one little quote for you, and then I'm done. Um, uh, this was by George MacDonald. I don't know whether you know the name George MacDonald, but George MacDonald um, really uh, taught C.S. Lewis. Uh, George MacDonald lived before C.S. Lewis, and C.S. Lewis calls him his mentor. And I've, I've read a lot of Lewis, and I've read a little of George MacDonald, and I can't understand very much of George MacDonald. Um, but Lewis did, and that's that's good enough for me. But, um, but he said this. He said this about the God to whom we pray, and I thought this would be a nice note on which to close. He says this. A God that should fail to hear, receive, attend to one single prayer, the feeblest or worst, I cannot believe in. But a God that would grant every request of every man or every company of men would be an evil God. That is, no God. That is, a demon. Um, a God that doesn't listen to any prayer, I can't believe in him. But if we think that that God is going to answer in the way that would grant every request of every man or every company, that's an evil God. That's no God. That's a demon. So, guys, I, I hope that um, somehow that will adjust some thinking, so that we will find ourselves more greatly motivated to engage in this laborious discipline of prayer. Let's quit, our Father. I do pray that you will uh, forgive your people, all of us. We are we are basically prayerless. Uh, we are. We get up in the morning and think that we can manage everything that comes our way. And, um, and if we can't, we've got enough money to pay for our mistakes. And I pray that you will forgive us, Lord, that our, that the, that the bounty that you have provided, that we've begun to love it and, um, forgotten where it came from. So, um, would you, would you stir up in us a, a a determination to correct our own prayerlessness. Knowing that um, the challenges that we face are far bigger than whatever solutions and whatever wisdom we might bring to those problems. That um, That it's not that we don't have time to pray. It's that we don't have the heart for it. Would you grant us that heart? Would you convince us that some strides forward need to be made in becoming a praying woman, a praying man? Might we find ourselves improving as people who enjoy being in that activity that shrinks the gulf that exists between infinity and me? Do that for Jesus' sake. We ask it in his name. Amen.